This threat from Russia against Ukraine is real. I told you in 1994, Ukraine agreed Ukraine agreed to give up its nuclear weapons that had been in place in, uh, in Ukraine because it was part of the Soviet Union earlier. In exchange for Britain, the United States, and Russia, not only acknowledging, but providing actual security, including military security, to Ukraine's sovereignty. This was a memorandum that was signed by all four countries. You've not heard about it anywhere but here. Anywhere. And just like communist China violating its agreement with Britain and Hong Kong, Putin is doing the same thing with Ukraine. The same exact thing. Russia is poised to attack Ukraine. 125,000 battle-ready troops. They tried to internally overthrow the Ukrainian government. They already have their militia in the eastern part of Ukraine, battling, and their guerrillas battling the Ukrainian uh, government. The Ukrainian president has been an ally of the United States. He's been really a reformer. And people say, why is this any of our business? Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I understand that no matter what I say will be misconstrued and misconstrued intentionally. Misconstrued intentionally. By the hard left and by the isolationist right. I'm not of the left and I'm not of the right. I'm a constitutional conservative. I've never believed in this, this stuff where conservatives are of the right. You and I, we're not fascists. We're not totalitarians. We believe in liberty. And I began my political activism with Ronald Reagan in 1976. Really pre-Reagan, but that's where I really bit into the politics and philosophy and so forth. In the 1920s, give or take, the Republican Party had a conservative element may have been actually the majority of the party, which was isolationist. So was part of the Democrat Party. So as Germany and Italy and Japan were building up their war machines, the United States was not prepared to engage. Not that we wanted to engage, but we weren't prepared. And this has happened on more than one occasion. Same thing happened in the 1950s. In many respects. You had a wing of the conservative movement that was isolationist. 
And uh, people point to Dwight Eisenhower talking about the military-industrial complex. In other words, he didn't believe we should build up for wartime like we did in World War II in the 1950s, but he did believe we better have the strongest military on the face of the earth. We have this same fusion, really, of the hard left and some of this isolationist right that you and I are dealing with. They've tried to project their, their beliefs onto Donald Trump, but Donald Trump was never an isolationist. Never. He built up the United States military beyond anything the Democrats had done before him. Beyond anything that had been done since Ronald Reagan, quite frankly. And when he needed to draw a line, he drew a line. Even with Syria. Even with Afghanistan. But he drew lines with Russia and China, and he meant it. And they either respected him or feared him. And that's the nature of foreign policy when you're dealing with such vile enemies. We also have an element within the conservative movement and on Capitol Hill that is what I call these Russiaphobes. They really don't have any problem with Putin. They don't think Russia is a threat. They embrace sort of these extremists who tell them what they want to hear. And so, just like the Bernie Sanders and others in the Democrat Party, in an odd way, they become the blame America first mouthpieces within the conservative movement and the Republican Party. They're all out there, you hear them. Now, on top of that, we do have a president who is incapable of being a commander-in-chief, as he is incapable of doing most things required of a competent president. Not even a great president, just a competent president. What he did with the oil pipeline in Russia, what he did in Afghanistan, what he's doing now with Iran, and we can go down the list beyond that, the way he treats our allies with contempt, has clearly been analyzed and digested by our enemies. Our allies, too, but I'm talking now about China and Russia, among others. And has resulted in provocation. His weakness, his incompetence, his mental deterioration, his poor judgment even before that, our enemies see an opportunity. And I told you in this election they were going to root for Joe Biden that the Russia collusion argument never made any sense when Trump was taking on Hillary since Hillary had already sold out to the Russians. It's important in my view, you my audience, that you have your eyes wide open about what's taking place. Wide open. Putin rejects the victory the United States had in the Cold War. He rejects it. Putin came to power by killing people, threatening people, and by cutting deals with people. He was a second-tier KGB agent. Not even a first-tier. But he was very bold. And he effectively led a coup. 
because he promised not to prosecute those who did lead the second Russian revolution out from communism and into the United States camp. Putin is working with the communist Chinese, Xi, very, very closely. Strategically and militarily. And I want to get into what I think is going on in a minute. I've been talking behind this microphone about our failure to build up our military under this president. That they have flatlined the the budget for the military for all intents and purposes. And this critical race theory and what else they're doing is undermining the readiness of the United States military and military personnel. There's a report out that we have a huge problem now attracting pilots into our Air Force. We're not meeting our numbers in the Army and the Marines. Because nobody wants to volunteer to put aside other opportunities if their country doesn't respect them. If their country doesn't respect them. The communist Chinese, the Russians, the North Koreans, the Iranians, they see what's going on at the White House. They also see what's going on at Congress where the entire Democrat focus is trying to destroy a former president. A former president. A former president that they respected and feared. That's the entire Democrat Party focus and the fundamental transformation of America from a free country to an unfree country. This threat from Russia against Ukraine is real. I told you in 1994, Ukraine agreed, Ukraine agreed to give up its nuclear weapons that had been in place in, uh, in Ukraine because it was part of the Soviet Union earlier. In exchange for Britain, the United States, and Russia, not only acknowledging, but providing actual security, including military security, to Ukraine's sovereignty. This was a memorandum that was signed by all four countries. You've not heard about it anywhere but here. Anywhere. And just like communist China violating its agreement with Britain and Hong Kong. Putin is doing the same thing with Ukraine. The same exact thing. Russia is poised to attack Ukraine. 125,000 battle-ready troops. They tried to internally overthrow the Ukrainian government. They already have their militia in the eastern part of Ukraine battling, and their guerrillas battling the Ukrainian uh, government. The Ukrainian president has been an ally of the United States. He's been really a reformer. And people say, why is this any of our business? I don't know. Was Austria any of our business? No. Was the so-called Czech Republic any of our business? Czechoslovenia? 
No. How about Poland? When that was invaded, was that any of our business? No. How about when Britain went to war with, with Germany? Was that any of our business? No. The isolations in America said, that's their problem. That's Europe. It doesn't affect us. Do you think that Vladimir Putin now has built hypersonic missiles? Has a military presence in Antarctica? Has brand spanking new nuclear submarines? And has modernized his nuclear arsenal because of Ukraine? Because of Ukraine? No, it's because of us. Do you think communist China has done the same thing? Plus now has outposts in Western Africa, parts of the Middle East, in our own hemisphere on both ends of the Panama Canal because of Taiwan? Do you think they have advanced killer satellites? That are capable of knocking out our GPS system and blinding our military because of Taiwan? And have these phony islands built in the South China Sea, which would choke off maritime navigation between the United States and much of Southeast Asia because of Taiwan? You know, if I were a good little talk show host, I wouldn't talk this way. I'd get in line with all the others. I'd be a good little isolationist. Because I risk being called a neocon, particularly because I'm Jewish. I'm no neocon. I am no neocon. I am no trigger-happy chicken hawk, as they say. No, I am not. I'm an old Reaganite. Who knows history? And what follows from isolationism? Just think as a matter of reality. If you have these countries and these regimes that are on the hunt, that are on the move, what makes you think they won't threaten us one day? Is that what history tells us? Of course not. Of course not. Why are the Iranians building intercontinental ballistic missiles? Tel Aviv isn't 7,000 miles away from Tehran. We are. We are. Do you think our federal contractors, our military contractors, are a bunch of unpatriotic ex-generals and so forth that, that they want wars so they can make more money? What's the evidence for this? There's no evidence for this. None. That I'm aware of. 
Do you think Joe Biden, who I detest, wants war? No, he's going to bungle and has bungled. The result could be war. But I don't think he wants war. In fact, he's been a protectionist most of his career. He, he didn't want to take out Osama bin Laden. He was so worried. I'll continue when I return. Mark Levin. And yet, what seems to be transpiring, transpiring are things that I have feared and that we've talked about now for some time. The Iranians are now firing missiles into the UAE, which is United States ally. It's a tiny monarchy. It's actually one of the freest countries in the Middle East and has built a remarkable relationship with the state of Israel as well as its Gulf neighbors. Uh, we had to intervene there yesterday to help protect that country uh, from some of the missiles. Uh, but some of them have landed. They've also unleashed the Hutus, who you've probably never heard of before, which are another militia operation, a bunch of guerrillas that have the backing of the Iranians, that have created incredible human suffering in Yemen. Yemen, which is on the border with Saudi Arabia. Jordan, these other monarchies, Israel, Egypt, Morocco, and others are well aware of what's taking place now in the Middle East. China. More flights over Taiwan in the last 48 hours than before a massive incursion. Just to- We're in a very precarious situation, ladies and gentlemen. We have really a phony commander-in-chief. I don't know who is in charge of this country, the executive branch, but it's quite obvious Joe Biden is easily manipulated. We have a Secretary of State, a pseudo-elite Ivy League intellectual, I said pseudo, uh, who is a disaster, a Secretary of Defense who's demonstrated that he's a disaster, as well as the top generals. We have a military that's underfunded and demoralized. It's a very bad situation. A very bad situation. And um, we have uh, a situation where our foreign policy is provocative because it's been appeasement-oriented. The pipeline back to Russia, the way... Biden did that while he was also killing our own domestic pipelines is really outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. The way he and his fellow Democrats talk about Trump and the Republican Party, you would have thought that they were Xi or Putin. Or some of these, but no. They see what's going on internally in the United States. They see we're getting weaker and weaker economically and otherwise as a result of Biden's policies. We discussed this at great length, that our enemies are rooting for the re-election, excuse me, for the election of Joe Biden. Of course, there's a lot of blame to go around. His family, him, the Democrat Party, and of course, our pathetic, corrupt media, which remains pathetic and corrupt. 
Now, these isolationists, whatever political party they're in, whatever positions they hold, in the end, they result in causing more American deaths than they save. Because as these enemies rise up and they get stronger and they get more aggressive, we get not just weaker, we're stuck. We're stuck. What do we do? And of course, they paint things as utterly black and white, as most propagandists too. It's either full-scale war or full-scale appeasement. Really. This is why I've I've never been thrilled with the McCain, Lindsey Graham, and at times Rubio mindset that we should be intervening so often. On the other hand, I've always rejected the Buchanan view, which is very much the George McGovern view, which takes the completely opposite position. Reaganism was the answer. And if you really look at what Trump did on foreign policy, much of it was similar to what Reagan did. Much of it was similar to what Reagan did. The United States intervenes to repel air attack on the United Arab Emirates, New York Times. The U.S. Air Force said it intervened on Monday to repel an attack on the UAE amid an escalation of tensions between the Gulf nation and the ran-back Houthi rebels in Yemen. They used the Houthi rebels the way they use Hezbollah. The Emirati Ministry of Defense said its air defense forces had intercepted and destroyed two missiles fired by the Houthi rebels. Not immediately clear whether the U.S. and Emirati defenses were responding to the same missile strike. Iran is on the move. Iran is going to have ICBMs with nuclear missiles, excuse me, with nuclear warheads. Israel had a coup of its own in many respects with respect to Netanyahu. Phony, phony charges raised. Phony clouds created over the man. The one hand, he's constantly looking over his shoulder. On the other hand, as prime minister, he was duking it out with the Iranians and others. And now they have a guy by the name of Bennett, who's an incompetent, weak opportunist. Sounds like the president that we have to deal with now, doesn't it? Taiwan reports new large-scale Chinese Air Force incursion, U.S. News, via Reuters. Taiwan Sunday reported the largest incursion since October by the Chinese in its air defense zone, with the island's defense ministry saying Taiwanese fighters scrambled to warn the Chinese aircraft. Taiwan calls China's repeated nearby military activities gray zone warfare. Designed to monitor Taiwan's forces by making them repeatedly scramble and also test Taiwan's responses. In other words, getting ready for a fight. The latest Chinese mission included 34 fighters plus four electronic warfare aircraft. In other words, they knock out the radar, and other systems that the Taiwanese have. Taiwan sent combat aircraft to warn away the Chinese aircraft. No immediate comment from the Chinese. The U.S. Pacific Fleet said on Sunday those exercises included 
two carrier groups, which are conducting training to preserve and protect a free and open Indo-Pacific. Right now, if you're at the Pentagon, our military forces are having to try and gameplay a two-front war with Russia and China. You believe this? You believe this? I'm very serious about this. Certainly not rooting for it, but this is what you get when you, when you have the wrong man in the White House. This is what you get. Then on top of this, you get the propagandists that basically blame us. You can blame the administration, but you don't blame the nation and the American people. That's preposterous. So, about 8,500 personnel, United States forces have been placed on heightened preparedness to deploy if needed. Not to deploy to Ukraine, necessarily, not to deploy to fight, necessarily, but to be positioned in some of our NATO countries. I mean, NATO's there for a reason. And perhaps the concern is that this could bleed into one of our allied countries. Should we get out of NATO, too? We're the ones who set up NATO. We set up NATO so we wouldn't have to go back to Europe and fight another world war. Should we get out of NATO? Get out of our agreements with Taiwan and Ukraine? Surrender the Monroe Doctrine, which apparently John Kerry already did. What else should we do? Battlefield America? Oh, that would be lovely. These are very troubling times, very grave. You'd be a fool, you'd be a nut to be trigger happy. And I don't think we are. I really don't. I think you have to have some modicum of intelligence to break down the different pieces of this rather than black and white. And... We have exactly the wrong people in these positions right now. Exactly the wrong people. I mean, it is frustrating as hell to watch this. We knew, we knew the possibility of this. We knew the possibility of this. Uh, after January 20th, we knew the possibility of this. I'm talking about 2021. 20, uh, after Afghanistan... So we have big problems. And the kind of reporting that's being done is not very useful. It's not very helpful. And I want to tell you, much of the reporting that was done in World War II was no better. No better. And as long as the media continue to be uh, pom-pom boys and girls for this president... Oh, I'm going to play you a few stories where they're somewhat critical of Biden, but not day in and day out. Not seriously. Not substantively. They still are focused on January 6th. Trump, this idiot Phil Bump, writes another stupid piece in the Washington Compost. They can't help themselves. This is who they are. Rather than Congress immediately meeting under the Democrats, I mean, I got to be honest with you, under, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Democrats in the past 
they would be increasing defense spending immediately. It takes time to, to move from passing a budget and pushing it through the production stream or the support stream. But the morale is low as a result of critical race theory and transitioning and investigating troops based on Facebook and on and, and, and mandates on vaccines, just as the morale generally in America is down as a result of what the Democrats have done. I'm just talking turkey with you. I'm just telling you what I see. And that you need to be very clear-eyed about what's taking place here. Very clear-eyed. We have exactly the wrong Speaker of the House. She's a buffoon and she's evil. Exactly the wrong Senate Majority Leader. He's a buffoon and evil. Exactly the wrong man in the White House. He's a buffoon and evil. They don't even like the military any more than they like law enforcement. You can see what they've done to our inner cities and beyond. And beyond in terms of the casualties that Americans have been suffering here. I probably shouldn't tell you this. There's a lot of things I probably shouldn't tell you, but I tell you anyway. I said to my wife and mother-in-law about a week ago, with all this wokeism being pushed throughout the culture, with American Marxism spreading as fast as a wildfire, with such a corrupt anti-American media, with the Democrat Party hollowing out this country, including our military, opening our borders and law enforcement, where we talk more about what people should be given and their rights in terms of economic rights and trash the history of our own country. I said, I don't even know if we could win a war like World War II today. I don't know. It worries me a lot. It worries me a lot. Particularly if our enemies misjudge. I want you to think about one thing for a second here. If you're Xi and you're a genocidal, power-hungry maniac... And you're Putin, no different. And you're Un in North Korea. And you're the Islamo-Nazi who leads the, the Iranians. But let's just focus on China and Russia right now. When is the optimum time to act? If that is your intention. Is to wait for the next election? When is the optimum time to act? Put aside your Americanism and your patriotism. Just when would be the optimum time to act? You saw the debacle in Afghanistan. You see the deal you cut with Russia, not only on surrendering the pipeline, actually there was no deal, they just surrendered it. But on on our missile systems, Russia now is free to build any kind of missiles at once, pretty much. How come we didn't have all these problems, all these issues during Trump's presidency? 
How come that question is never asked? Who runs the Trump presidency? How come that question was never asked and never had to be asked? The competency of the Trump administration. Well, some outliers on the left would raise it, but not, not anybody who's serious and relatively objective. Problem was, Trump knew exactly what he wanted to do and fought to implement it. These are real problems, real differences. I regret that last night there was a fantastic football game on, right to the very end. I regret it because many of you may have missed my interview with Peter Schweitzer and his book, Red-Handed. There is a subterranean, in many respects, government in this country. Subterranean. Out of our eyesight, out of our earshot. Members of Congress, former members of Congress. People in academia. Corporatists. Famous people, like entertainers and so forth. And the Communist Chinese have contributed mightily to this. They have lined the pockets of their families. They have lined the pockets of their organizations. They have pass-throughs that they use. Enormous sums of money. As Peter Schweitzer broke on my show, he and his group of intrepid investigators determined that around $31 million had been funneled into all elements of the Biden family by the communist Chinese government. Should that not be a headline, Mr. Producer? He's got footnotes, he's got it backed up, he's got the info. Should that not be a headline on every cable news show? Should that not have been a headline at the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes and the L.A. Slimes and all the rest of it? While they're focused on Trump and Trump's taxes and Trump's businesses, it's so disgusting, it's so sickening. They cover up for the Biden family, they cover up. Then he talks about the Pelosi's, Boehner's firm, Feinstein, and on and on and on. His prior book, he points out McConnell. He shows how elements of the Bush family, the Trudeau family, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And you've heard no news reporting on this whatsoever except by independent alternative media sites. Other than that, you've heard nothing. This was a one-hour interview. Have you even heard any of the other shows mention the interview or talk about the substance of the interview? Not a word. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Unbelievable. That's the low life in the Oval Office. He's always been a low life, in my opinion. He's always lacked complete class. Because Ducey asked him about inflation, if it's a political liability, because he was, they were told not to ask any questions about Russia. So some of the reporters asked about the economy. He asked about inflation. 
So he calls Peter Ducey a stupid son of a bitch. Now, Ducey is as nice as they come. He's as polite to the president as they come. But he asks really important questions that the rest of the media are not going to ask. And that's the reply. That's the response. He's not the stupid SOB. Biden is, quite frankly. Biden is. And he gets a pass for this stuff, too. Keep up the good work. We call him the deuce here. Peter Ducey, his wonderful father and mother and family. What a stupid son of a bitch. What a stupid son of a bitch. I don't care what office you attain, you can still be a lowlife, and that's, uh, that's Biden, as far as I'm concerned. Got that media matters? Of course, they're full of lowlifes over there. They defend Black Lives Matter, which is trashing cops, which is a Marxist anti-Semitic organization, because they're all wrapped up in Soros. The media, they, they regurgitate it. Well, what did they say over there? Let's regurgitate it. I want to play that one more time, Mr. Producer. Cut 24. Go. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. I mean, it's so disgusting. I mean, the stuff Trump had to put up with. You know what he thought, you know what he may have said in private, but he never blurted anything like that out that I can remember. The Democrats are more vile, more violent, less intelligent, and yet look how they attack Trump versus Biden. There's no comparison about the superior mind, the superior president, and the superior achievements. There's just no question. And now because of his actions with our military, because of his appeasement of Russia and China and these other entities, Iran, early on. Now all these evil regimes are looking for opportunities to exploit under this guy. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, folks. Thanks for listening. Come back tomorrow. I'll be here. Have a wonderful evening. Already Friday. You know my theory on weeks, so I will simply go on to a subject. I, I want to take a position that not all of you will agree with, and I respect those who differ. In this regard, there are differences that I have with some people that I don't respect the difference think America is systemically racist, I have contempt for you. So, just to be on the record, I don't have respect for everybody I differ with. In this one, I do. But I differ strongly. There is a very strong notion among some, especially among conservatives, that America not get involved in the Ukraine issue. What, what do we care about Ukraine? It's just 40 million people. As if, by the way, that's, that's determinative of whether or not we get involved. The number of people in a the country, there are fewer in Taiwan. So do we say bye-bye Taiwan, let China swallow you? 
we said bye-bye Hong Kong. That began at the end of uh, the last century with Margaret Thatcher, I'm sad to say, who felt that she had to honor a 100-year deal with the Chinese government to give Hong Kong back to China. Of course, the answer to that is this wasn't the government that the deal had been made with. The Chinese government in, uh, in 1890 was not the Chinese government of thugs and mass murderers that it was in 1990. So let me offer you a simple proposition. When you let aggressors aggress, they don't stop. The notion of appeasing people, it's not our interest. That was what was said by many with regard to Hitler. It's not, and I'm not saying that Putin is Hitler. I'm just giving that as an example. Oh, it's not our interest. So what is our interest other than an attack on the United States of America, on any of the 50 states or territories? Is, is n- Nothing is our interest? The world could go to hell, but hey, we're protecting Manhattan. It, it doesn't make sense. It's very hard to live in isolation like that. There's another argument they give. Well, look about our interventions, how, how, what failures they were. So what, what, what exactly are we talking about? Vietnam? Vietnam was a failure when we left, not when we fought. I just finished a, a, a gigantic work on, on the Vietnam War. It didn't convince me that we lost. We lost when we left. You lose when you surrender. That's when you lose. Afghanistan? People had a chance in Afghanistan to lead some people, a lot of people, not all by any means, had a chance to lead a normal life. Like half the population, that's female. I believe in a binary view of sex, so I I divide Afghans between men and women. It's not woke, it's just true. We didn't lose in in Afghanistan until we left Afghanistan. Next week I'll read to you some of the things that have been happening in Afghanistan since we left. Not to mention that it could easily serve as a base for eventual attacks on Americans. We were paying a very small price to stay in Afghanistan. Almost no troops killed. But we, we allowed for some degree of stability in that country. Iraq? Iraq is a mixed bag. I don't know. Nobody knows. If Saddam Hussein were allowed to stay in power, what would have happened? Libya? I will acknowledge that as, as truly evil as Gaddafi was, the chaos that ensued after his fall may not have justified the intervention there. To be pro-intervention is not to be pro-every intervention. Sometimes you just don't know. Life is messy. A Ukraine, 
it's okay if uh, you lose uh, more of your territory to Russia. What do we care? We're sitting pretty in New York and Chicago and Iowa. I don't follow that. I don't follow it morally aside from just sheer political concerns. Wall Street Journal, how the West is losing Ukraine. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is visiting Europe this week with a frantic effort to deter a Russian invasion of Ukraine, and we hope he succeeds. But the administration is also signaling that an invasion is likely, and if so, it's worth explaining why deterrence will have failed. The fault lies mainly with Vladimir Putin and his desire to restore greater Russia. Yes, that's pretty important to understand. Putin would like to restore the Soviet Union, or greater Russia, depends on what term you use. That doesn't stop with Ukraine. Why not invade Armenia? That was part of the Soviet Union. Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. I mean, they have a, they have a couple of million, three million people in, in each country, or something to that effect. Not 40. But this ambition has been known at least since his annexation of Crimea in 2014. So why has he moved again now? And why have Washington and Berlin failed to convince him that the costs of another invasion will exceed the benefits? Mr. Biden didn't help deterrence at his press conference Wednesday by suggesting that a, quote, minor incursion, unquote, by Russia might not trigger a united response from the West. Quote, it's one thing if it's a minor incursion, and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not not to do. It's an amazing comment. (laughs) It's amazing. Mr. Biden said, pressed on the point, he didn't provide any clarity on what would be minor And Mr. Putin may think he now has leave to take at least some territory. This response fits the pattern that goes back to the weak Western responses to Russia's previous aggression. In 2009, after Russia's invasion of Georgia the previous year, Barack Obama called for a reset with the Kremlin and achieved little. In 2014, Mr. Obama and Europe imposed sanctions on Russia, but they were too too weak to make much difference. The Biden administration is now promising, quote, massive consequences, unquote, if Russia invades. But why should Mr. Putin believe it? The U.S. has ruled out any direct U.S. military defense of Ukraine, so Mr. Putin needn't worry about that. But the U.S. has also failed to raise the costs of a Russian invasion by adequately arming Kiev. Late last year, a Ukrainian defense official told us, that's at the Wall Street Journal, the country needed, quote, anti-aircraft, anti-ship, and anti-missile defense, electronic and anti-drone weaponry, as well as artillery and mortar systems, reconnaissance and medical equipment, ships and boats. On Wednesday, a senior U.S. official boasted about approving a mere $200 million in additional military assistance last month, 
but didn't say what was being sent. The White House has feared too much military aid would cause Mr. Putin to invade. That's precious, isn't it? Strikes me that too little aid would more likely prompt Mr. Putin to invade. But restraint hasn't deterred Mr. Putin, and sending more equipment after an invasion begins could be too late. And now, unfortunately, we're back to one of my theories of the modern world. Germany is always wrong. Germany has also refused to send weapons to Kiev. When the foreign minister on Monday, with the foreign minister on Monday, citing historical reasons. We don't exactly know what those historical reasons are. Anyway, you know what I believe Germany learned from history. Fighting is wrong. Germany has also refused to send weapons to Kiev, with the foreign minister on Monday citing historical reasons. This is from a country that exported nearly, are you ready, 10 billion, B-B-B-B-B-B billion, euros worth of arms in 2021. you got to admit that's precious. Apparently, Ukraine is more problematic than Egypt, Berlin's top customer last year. Also depressing is the U.S. and European disarray on economic sanctions. Again, Germany, which is always wrong, is the heart of the problem. Yep. President Biden made a priority of courting lame duck Chancellor Angela Merkel as a counterpoint to Donald Trump. The amount of damage the left has done in this country because of their hatred of Donald Trump is incalculable, incalculable. And in the name of transatlantic unity, this has been one of Mr. Biden's biggest strategic miscalculations. Mrs. Merkel has been replaced with a coalition led by a Social Democratic Party, SPD, that is even softer on Russia. Mr. Biden reversed U.S. opposition to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which would give Russia more energy leverage over Europe. You know that just a little over a year ago we were independent of all of this because of Donald Trump's energy policies? Do you understand the ramifications of Trump hatred and the sick, life-crushing, society-crushing, economy country? crushing environmentalist movement rich that's that's really rich whites that's the irony I, I hate using the term but that's what it is it's rich white bored people looking for meaning in life to save the world and they are ruining it here is one ancillary consequence giving Russia tremendous power over Europe This month, the White House lobbied to defeat a Nord Stream 2 sanction bill. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that? I didn't know that. And and, and here's the, the joke, bad joke, bitter joke. These are the people that said that Trump was in the pocket of Biden. Excuse me, above Putin. Isn't that something? 
Trump was controlled by Putin. But he stood up to Putin. Not at a press conference, what was it, in Helsinki? Where was it? Yeah? That's the big, that was the big deal. In fact, the the Russian regime would not have considered uh, invading Ukraine this time with a Trump in power. Influential SPD officials have said the pipeline's fate shouldn't be tied to Ukraine's. And new Chancellor Olaf, isn't that something? Yes, what do we care about Ukraine, the Germans say? We care about Germany. Only Germany. Their new Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, has only vaguely allowed that everything will have to be discussed after an invasion. The backdrop is Berlin and Washington's war on their own domestic energy production. You hear that? It's one of the, this, that sentence alone is worth everything. The backdrop is Berlin and Washington's war on their own domestic energy production. That's right. The sick, scared, panic-driving Greens in America and in Europe are what is enabling Russia to dominate Europe economically. And they're proud of it. There is no price too great to pay to save the planet from carbon dioxide. That's what they think. Which makes them more vulnerable to Russian blackmail. The toughest economic sanction would be cutting off Moscow from the swift international banking system and access to U.S. dollars. A German newspaper recently reported that the West had ruled out such a move. That's charming. So in what way is the West threatening Putin? Looks like zilch to me. Mr. Putin could read the papers and knows why many in Europe will fight any swift sanctions, especially if Russia threatens to retaliate by withholding energy from Europe in winter. Get it? Do what we want because we control your energy, thanks to Angela Merkel who's one of the most destructive forces in modern European history post-World War II, bringing in millions, or at least a million, for no good reason other than German guilt over the Holocaust. I, I can think of no other reason they did this. So now Russia has a veto over Europe thanks to the Greens in Germany and in America. I don't know if we'll survive the left. I don't know. I only know we have to fight, which I do every day. Donald Trump fought them, and they hated him for it. They really hated him for it. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Come on now, freedom call. 